Good morning, people of planet Earth. This is the stream of random. And today we have a special episode, which we're going to put into season three, as in it was actually edited and recorded in a studio. This is my interview with Chris from the Abs in a Six Pack. And I'll put some links in the show notes. I'm just introducing it with a little clip here because it started out with a little bit of uh, slowness. So I wanted to pep this thing up a little bit. So Stream of Random Season 3 is for refined or edited episodes. Um, and I hope to have more of these in the future. And thanks again, Mr. Chris. All right, then. Uh, welcome to... Uh, I don't even know what to say. Welcome to the uh, the first guest appearance uh, that we've had in a long time, and the first other uh, p- podcaster to be on this podcast. We got Chris from the Abs in a Six Pack uh, podcast uh, on today, so uh, welcome, Chris. What's up, man? You should go and, by James. Uh, I'm assuming I go by Mike. Actually, uh, it's a long story. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. I've- one of my good friends, Cameron, that's his middle name, and he goes by it. So. My grandpa was James, <clears throat> Jim, and uh, so I was named after him. Okay. Well, good to talk to you. Yeah, man. That's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, you guys are all over, uh, all over the place and all over the network. Uh, you have uh, a lot of visibility, uh, it seems, uh, for your podcast. Um, it um some of the episodes that we've put a lot of work into like the uh the Bill Gates episode two-parter like some of the more uh I'm trying to think of some other ones some older ones we did like got like no traction mm-hmm. so it's really like guest episodes that take no work that are getting all the traction like a uh, Patriot J or Ping Trip or that'll hit like a, a in the thousands of listens, that's which I don't know. That might mean somebody listens to the first 30 seconds. I don't know what Spotify and... Oh, time to wake up. I don't know what Spotify and all them count as a, as a listen. I can't imagine it. It's tough. You have to listen. Yeah. But yeah, we did... Uh, we had Smashcast on last night, and we uh, did a little pre-debate coverage. And uh, I don't know. Did you watch the debate last night? I did, and it was amazingly civil. It was a snooze fest. <laughs> I, I liked it. Uh, I, I actually, I, I, I fell asleep. Yes, it was a snooze fest, but um, <laughs> it was good to fall asleep too. Yeah. And I liked the the way that they actually wrote down their responses instead of blurting them out. I thought that was pretty uh, classy. Not as classy as just going, wrong. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> wrong. No, uh, there were so many memes that Kamala brought up that were just like, oh, God, this again. Like the um, the Russia hacked our election thing and the, like, fine people on both sides. And it's like... Well, she was really just speaking to her bubble. Right. And, I guess Pence uh, was too, to a certain extent, but... It, it, it is... Uh... That was, there wasn't much of a debate in that sense. Um, but it was much better than the first one. 
See, I don't know. I liked the chaos of the first one. <laughs> I'm hoping it's even crazier next next debate. I, I couldn't. I couldn't. Um, I couldn't watch the whole thing. It it was almost unclippable, and uh, and people were just going on and on and on about uh, certain things. Um, like there was some, there was some really good moments, but yeah, a lot of it you can't clip because it's Chris Wallace yelling while Biden and Trump are both trying to yell. It's three people talking at once. You can't isolate any good audio. You know, I've been, I've been thinking a lot, um, in the past on how to, uh, improve audio quality. And, uh, I have an idea that, I mean, it would require a lot of work. But you could create a uh, a program that would be able to regenerate your voice. So you would use like machine learning to train your voice into the computer, and it would recognize your speech, but it would regenerate it so it could improve your audio quality. Uh, okay, it, I might not be smart enough for this. Explain that again. So it it's. Um... It, it, it just... would recognize what you're trying to say, and then it would r repeat that, but in a clear, uh, clear way. So you could ha you could have it listen to say Trump, and then extract just what Trump was saying and have it speak in Trump's voice. But it would be a simulation. Oh yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. Kind of like um, there's certain, um, there's certain like al algos or whatever they're you'd call mm -hmm. them. Deepfakes. Like they did it with Joe Rogan, where like even though Joe Rogan said it hadn't said this, like they took they've made his voice. They typed in like him saying something about a hockey team run by chimps. Exactly chimp. the the, yeah. the 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 deep fake. Except this would be like more of a real fake or something. It would be a real. It's fake. actually what you said. Yeah, I like mm -hmm. that idea. Um, <clears throat> to assist, it would be an assistant. For improving audio quality on noisy lines, or or like yeah, what you were talking about earlier, where Biden, Trump, and Chris Wallace are talking over each other, you could just plug that in and get back just one of the three of them that you wanted. Yep, that'd be good. But um, I'm off of the a whole machine learning um, trip right now, and. Uh, I've been working on, um, I've been trying to understand this one guy. He's like the most amazing uh, Russian mathematician, uh, Vladimir Vopnik. And he uh, was on the, um, the Lex Friedman show uh, recently, who I've been listening to a lot as well. And he was saying how all of this deep learning is basically illusion and a waste of um, energy. Right. Yeah, it's um. It seems that way. Like uh, it's kind of like the age-old question of making a sentient computer. Like you're just programming it to be sentient, and it probably will never actually like experience. And then the guy uh, who I had recently, um, what hit uh, on the last. Uh, Couple of the last couple of episodes I had him, Richard Carp, he said, 
you're assuming that the human is a rational um, is a rational digital device that has no soul and if so then yes you could a computer could copy it but yeah, if you had a soul yeah it seems like yeah you would have to although there's this idea that I don't necessarily subscribe to but it's a cool thought exercise that Duncan Trussell has talked about with like because he's hangs around with a lot of like Buddhist or Eastern tradition types mm-hmm. he was saying like like souls exist before they enter a body right so Mm -hmm. theoretically um so if you created a a, a sentient a machine that was capable of sentience or like close enough to like a reproduction of the human mind Mm -hmm. then a soul could theoretically incarnate into it and then he said something that was kind of spooky that was like but if you're like a demon or like some kind of super ancient like evil force like what better dead what yeah you would want to incarnate into like the global ai system that could launch all the nukes at once or something (laughs) now that's a great thought actually um that's very that's that's even further than i've gotten that's great yeah it's i mean it's very theoretical but i like the idea that a soul could enter it not that it, like it would if it was sentient you know it's not that it would just be sentient because the person made it that way mm-hmm. but then the opposite implication of that is kind of depressing where it's like does that mean somebody with like a really bad um birth defect or something or somebody that's like a baby born into a coma or something or born without like that's born brain dead like would that would imply that they a soul wouldn't be able to incarnate into that body. The opposite would also have to be true if you have like a, I don't know, it's just like the the way souls work, once you get down to the logistics of it, it just seems like a, a rabbit hole that has no end. Well, I mean, I'm not a theologi- uh, theologian. I'm not into theology really, but um, some people said, some theories go that you actually have you choose your life knowing what you're getting into. Yeah, I, I buy into that. I think that makes sense. And the question of time and how time actually works and how time is experienced is not a solved uh, question. Like, we don't know how time actually functions. True. Um, it's there's certain states of being you can access that kind of muddy the waters even further. <laughs> yeah, because there there true. are like meditation or psychedelics or whatever. There's all kinds of different ways to make you experience time in a vastly different way that you, than you would in your like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, nine to five. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I've been doing, uh, so one of the, one of the co- podcasts I covered was, um, or I'm trying to remember who it was, but he said that, um, or maybe it was Joe Rogan show. Someone was saying that uh, depending on 
no, actually, it was the mind. It was a really great one. It was this uh, Hungarian guy, I think. And he had the inside-out theory where he said that um, we're not born as a blank slate in terms of a mind, that we're born with a survival instinct like all other animals. And um, he talked about the mind-body uh, interface and how, depending on the situation, um, there would be a a much greater bandwidth and a much greater connection um, between the mind and the body. So you go into hyper-awareness, like in the movies where the guy goes into his uh, rage mode and like the time stops. Oh, like a, like a better version of the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes. Where like he sees yeah. time freezes and he sees all the schematics and blueprints of what he has to do. Something like that, yeah. Well, that's kind of like his awareness, but like, I don't know if you ever played uh, GTA Five. It's been a minute, Auto. but yeah, yeah. And you had the one uh, guy who would go into berserk mode, and he, the time would slow down. The trailer park guy. Oh, oh, Trevor, I think his name. Trevor. Was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then time would slow down for Trevor when he goes into berserker mode. <laughs> And that was yeah. because the amount of data being passed to the brain was increasing. So it went into a higher bandwidth mode. Right. Um, a real life example of that is when Doc Ellis, the pitcher for, what was he, the Met? I don't remember what uh, baseball team it was. But Doc Ellis uh, took some acid and then saw on TV that he was actually the starting pitcher for the game. And uh, he pitched a no-hitter <laughs> on acid. What? Doc, Doc Ellis pitched a no-hitter on LSD. Yeah, meaning oh like not one person was able to hit the ball with the bat for the whole all nine innings. Here we and, go. Uh, Assessments of Ellis. It was the 1970 no-hitter. And that was uh, at the P Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, crazy. And he said, like, time was basically, like, slowed down and everything was so vivid. He could, like, see where the person was going to swing before he threw the <laughs> ball. Pretty wild. So, yeah, like, yeah. there's there's definitely different ways to perceive time. And I guess you would call that a performance-enhancing drug in that case. Yeah. And uh, I think if he had... Um... I mean, he'd only had played for, uh, it says that he entered the game in 1968 into the Pittsburgh Pirates, but he was in minor leagues since 1964, so, I mean, he was in there for 15 years. <clears throat> so, I mean, he his mind definitely had all types of information that was subconscious, you know, like you'd collect all this information. Right. And you see things that you don't perceive. I mean, yeah, no, it's right? uh, yeah, subconscious is a uh, whether it's like tripping or just in dreams, like the stuff that'll come out of your subconscious is usually pretty useful.
and that's, in the moment uh, or long term sometimes. And that's kind of what uh, my therapy sessions are for me. Um, this podcasting is also uh, reflecting upon things and uh, thinking about them out loud early in the morning when I get up. You know, I get up, I have a cup of coffee, and then I start walking and do my uh, daily walk. And um, I reflect over uh, a lot of things. And I guess some of it's subconscious stuff rising to the surface of the mind, or me just getting lost in the labyrinth of my mind. That's what makes it cool, man. Because it's a... Uh... Like, um, like your podcast or uh, Billy Bones does one that like is the name of his podcast is similar to yours, although the topics don't always aren't always similar. Billy Bones does walk through the mind, yeah, and that's kind of what you're doing is like a journey through your mind every morning. Yeah, but yeah, it's um, yeah, I think like it'd be interesting if everybody, um, like if if everybody. I mean, I'm just spitballing here, but like if everyone you knew did that, a similar thing with just them talking and like everybody in your close immediate circle of friends, like all heard each other, like each other's like um, solo thoughts every morning mm -hmm. for like a month. I wonder how different everybody would treat each other, like yeah. as far as people that know each other, like in real life. That's a good point. Seems like it seems like it could be a, a cool experiment to do. Absolutely. But I also said that, you know, I might get fired or, you know, banished from society for the horrible things I'm saying, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and yeah, but like you haven't, um, like you haven't said anything really horrible. Usually like, um, you, the, the key to podcasting is to not admit to anything illegal. As long as you do that, you're good. Hmm. <laughs> well, I work for a big company, and I'm pretty sure that someone at my company is cyber-stalking me. Oh, like tr trying to cancel you? Well, I don't know if they're trying to cancel me. Maybe they're just collecting dirt on me. But, Are they a spook? Uh, I... I uh, I'm not a spook, no, but uh, I, they... I worked. I worked at a big, uh, a big company once, and um, I was on Twitter. And then uh, someone in my uh, group kept on mentioning Twitter to me. I guess they didn't like what I was tweeting. They just kept on mentioning it like three times a day. So eventually, like I just your turned Twitter my account. specifically, or just Twitter? No, in not general? my. They just kept on mentioning it uh, like poignantly in a weird way. So I kind of took that as a signal. And what were you tweeting? People, well, I was tweeting about stuff that might be considered, like if you work in the financial industry, if you're tweeting about Bitcoin or, you know, cryptocurrencies, maybe they don't think that's a great, <laughs> a great thing. That's lame. Yeah. I mean, the stuff kind of stuff I see on Twitter on a daily basis is like Bitcoin is like, you know, nothing. 
It's like I'm seeing death threats and oh yeah, you know, <laughs> all kinds crazy of crazy. Stuff. Yeah, the idea that somebody about... would get mad, like the idea that anybody would get mad about Bitcoin or even find it distasteful, is hilarious. Well, it's just that uh, if they could consider it or construe it as a. Uh, you know, you're not allowed to lend. If you work for the bank, you're not allowed to lend money to people because that they consider that a conflict of interest. For example, huh? I didn't know that. So, so yeah, and they might say, "Well, you're, uh, you know, we don't want you uh, working on a cryptocurrency because that is a conflict of interest with what we're doing." Oh, so this was somebody above you, like your supervisor, that was bringing it up, not a coworker. Well, both, yeah. Oh, okay. I guess that's a little different, but still, it's like, you no, know, it seems like you'd, you'd have, uh, seems like they'd have more, more to, like real reasonable things to worry about, but yeah, you know. I mean, maybe, I, maybe I was just, uh, you know, being paranoid or misconstruing it. Maybe, but like workplace drama exists in everywhere from like, you know, Wall Street to your local gas station. Every the, yeah. the the there's always politics of it and people trying to like you know pass each other up and tear each other down, and it rarely, which it happens, but rarely you'll find where like a work environment where everybody's like you know helping each other, and nobody's being uh, mean. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So uh, <clears throat> I uh, I had this idea. I was thinking about this Neuralink, and I was and I was uh, I was on Facebook uh, so I could talk to some of my family members who only exist in the Facebook. <laughs> and they've uh, already been one, uploaded to the cloud. Yeah, got you. <laughs> and they and they have a um, they work a minimum wage job of liking advertising and photos all day so they can pay for their bandwidth. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> That's my theory that people on Facebook oh, okay. are I was like, minimum, uh -huh. they're working a minimum wage job so they can earn the um, the storage credits to store all their digital assets and have them served. Because if you were to actually <laughs> go and like set up your own web server and like your own web farm, you know, and store all your photos, you'd have to pay for all that. Just, right? I just can't. I just can't believe people are still on Facebook. Well, I say that, say but I'm aunt, on Twitter, so my aunt, uh, my great, she's like almost eighty years old, and she's gonna write in all caps, like, "God bless America, uh, Trump number one," you know, stuff like that. Almighty God, protest, protect, and bless <laughs> President Trump. Exactly. Hashtag Q. And hashtag Where we go one, where we go all. Hashtag Kamala. No, no hashtags. Just like, like. Page long rants in all caps. Well, they didn't Facebook and Instagram permanently ban all Q stuff and even the term QAnon. Like in the I, last it's two days. It's possible. It's possible. It's very possible. I, I, I haven't been following what they've latestly latest banned. But this is what I was trying to bring up: is that I was uh, one of my cousins always posts like you know random memes, right? Some funny stuff. But then one of his things was covered by this. Thing saying this has been fact checked to be false. Yeah, right? fact checking but, memes is my new favorite thing. 
but the Facebook had censored the meme and they had covered it up as a false. They had like they put a gray like overlay on top of it, saying mm -hmm. um, this has been this is misinformation. Like you couldn't even you couldn't even look at the picture. You had to click through the I acknowledge that this is false. And I was very okay. deeply disturbed by that. Oh yeah, well, Twitter and Facebook deleted Trump's tweet where he talked about how the flu is more deadly than COVID nineteen. Mm -hmm. Just straight up deleted his tweet. That's, <laughs> That's the first time I've seen that happen. And usually they just mark it saying this is contains misinformation, but no, that one they just deleted. That's crazy. Um, okay, so how does that tie into the Neuralink brain chip? Well, and I'm just thinking, um, the Neuralink is just going to give you a faster way to deliver Facebook and advertising to people. And it's going to collect more data on you. It's not going to yeah, just your click internal your mouse pointer. Yeah. yeah. And then one day... One day you're going to get this thought is illegal and it's going to pop up in your brain saying, you know, the thought police have determined that you're th committing a thought crime. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, that's coming, man. That's coming. I know that we don't exactly have the, the strongest <laughs> reputation on privacy right now, to put it lightly. <laughs> that's the last thing we need, dude, is like a... <laughs> like I don't understand. Like Elon usually has good takes and good ideas, but this like brain chip thing is off the rails. Like I would never. He's like, it's gonna be like an iPhone. You go and get your brain implant at the mall, mm -hmm. get it upgraded. It's like like an Apple store. It's like, are you out of your mind, dude? And uh, exactly. And well, he wants to be the first. You know, he wants to be the first. Uh, <clears throat> a first mover on that, and I understand it. But we have to be naturally skeptical of this thing. And we have to think about all the dystopian um, possibilities. Uh, yeah, it's, it seems like a horrible idea. And um, if you can have your brain connect to the internet, then the internet could connect to your brain. You could have your brain hacked. I mean, mm -hmm. have you seen the SpongeBob movie? Um, I think I've seen it a long time ago. I don't remember brains being hacked, though. Well, Plankton gives everybody these buckets mm -hmm. from the chum bucket to wear his hats. Mm -hmm. And then he launches, like, to take over <laughs> Bikini Bottom once enough people has him on. The buckets, like, clamp down and he he brain mind controls and controls everybody that has the hat on. And it's, That's like, the hilarious. same, the same I, like, you could easily do that with a brain ship. I feel like if you if the brain can access the internet, the internet brain could theoretically be hacked. Mm -hmm. And who's to say, like, why does Tim Cook, Mark Zuckerberg... Um. Uh, all these like tech heads why do they all have like such like crazy eyes where under bright lights their pupils are like fully dilated black hmm. I bet they already have brain chips either that oh, or yeah. they're on like crazy designer drugs like some kind of good like speed acid combo but I bet they already have brain chips like the some of the elite supposedly the um, special forces some of the soldiers in the US um, like had brain chips since the 80s. Wow. But that's, um, I've not been able to confirm that. I've just heard that from people I know who have 
a deep background in military families and then like some rumors online. So I don't know that, but I've heard that from enough different people to make me think it's possible. That's interesting. Well, that's, that's an interesting theory. Uh, I, I never, I, I never thought about how much, um, it's already happened, but it's definitely right. possible. Cause they say technology's like 30 to 40 years ahead of what the public gets released. Like they had CD ROMs in the early sixties and you know, the internet was around, uh, DARPA was working on the internet way before it became publicly available. All that stuff. Um, yeah. So you would think that like the brain chips, if they're now introducing them to the public and talking about them being released commercially, you would think that uh, somebody's already for sure got them. That's an interesting theory. You know, I mean, we have the whole, we haven't covered the whole uh, Plan 9 from outer space uh, <laughs> or the, you know, the whole theory of, um, you know, transistors being... Um, from Roswell and all that, right? Um, that conspiracy theory? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how... I I mean, I, I've seen the movie Plan 9, and I know about, like, yeah, like, supposedly, like, laser disc technology and all kinds of different technology, uh, fiber, all that stuff came from the craft at Roswell. Yeah, supposedly is that what you're talking about? But how does that tie yeah, in with that plan transistors? Nine? Well, I thought that there was a. Um, I saw a website in a long time ago. Um, well, the, the transistor. Well, Plan Nine is from. Um, is it is, uh, AT and T, Bell Labs. Oh, the operating system. Got the sniffles. Sorry. I don't know. I had some connection there. I, I I'd have to find the website I, I found. It was a, it was like a conspiracy th website um, about Bell Labs and the transistor um, and Roswell, but I'm not sure. I'll have to uh, I'll have to do some digging on that. Though that was just the connection that I had in my head somehow. But okay, I mean, you know they. The theory was, I mean, I haven't looked into UFO theory in a long time, really. Um, I just recently uh, recently got back into um, this new uh, Tic Tac thing that resurfaced. Oh, yeah. Man, I think that's Blue Beam, dude. Blue Beam? Yeah. I don't know Blue Beam. Oh, you got okay, that one. Okay, so... It's just, it's just like... I don't know. I don't trust the New York Times or the Pentagon or any of these, like Tom DeLonge and his To the Stars Academy, the dude from Blink-182, like all these, mm -hmm. all these yuppies, CIA, and it's, it's, it's like, okay, first of all, those videos are not convincing to me. Okay. It's like, like Adam Curry said, we can see if your shoelace is untied from s satellites in space, but we can't get any good footage of these UFOs at all. Mm -hmm. um, but Bluebeam is um, OSS, NASA plan. Werner von Braun talked about it. Um, and it was the idea 
to, um, in order to set up a global government, fake an alien invasion mm. so that the world would unite. Ronald Reagan talked about it a little bit. Werner von Braun was the main source saying that was definitely going to happen and that was like the plan. Um, so it seems like they're preparing us for that. That's okay. my thoughts. That's an interesting, um, that's an interesting idea. Um, like it, it's well, to the point where if I see a UF, if I see UFOs land on the White House lawn, I'm going to assume it's fake. Well, considering that, um, that, uh, all of that stuff was happening and happens regularly on the election cycle and that um, Tom DeLonge is connected to Podesta. Right. And, and Clinton. That is uh, an interesting... I mean, I was always a little bit, um, you know, wary about that as well. Yeah. yeah and it's like, I'm, I'm not... I, it's not that I don't believe in aliens, but I just am so unconvinced... By what they're like, like, and it's like, why now? Why when they denied UFOs and laughed it off, all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, UFOs are real. Here's footage, and the footage is like you said, little tic tacs that look like really stupid. Mm. I don't know. But uh, when I was in uh, Germany, uh, in uh, I think it was Augsburg, had like a painting and a story about these things fighting each other in the skies like from the 1500s, right? Like there's been... Yeah. I mean, shoot, shoot, even in a, even in a, like ancient Hindu texts. The Manas, yeah. You know, they had like flying cities and wars in the sky. and Yeah. Do you get okay. into that like ancient lost civilization stuff that Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson talk about? Well, yeah, I mean, I used to listen to, like, 10 years ago, I was listening to, like, Coast to Coast all the time. Yeah. But Art Bell died. George Nori just pisses me off. <laughs> right? Art Bell was great. I, I have the, um, I have that clip. Have you heard the one where the Area 51 caller calls in and he's, like, crying? And then Art Bell's station gets taken off the air? It's like, something blew out our power. I guess they didn't oh, want yeah, you to yeah, hear yeah, what yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy's, like, talking about how they're not extraterrestrial, they're interdimensional beings. He's like, an early version of the space program was the first to make contact, meaning the Nazis before they took over NASA and Paperclip. Hmm. Yeah, really crazy call. The only thing that made me kind of suspicious is the dude said he was from Area 51. It's like, really? Yeah, I, you know, you, you don't know, you don't know um, the origin of some of these things. But uh, when I was a kid... Um, we talked to one of my dad's crazy friends, and he. This was in the eighties, and I had a tape of this call at one point. I don't know where it landed, but he was like, "There's a system called TV under the de desert in Utah, and it's collecting all the data on everybody. It's a humongous computer. It's going to take over the world." And we we're like, "This guy's crazy." Um, but now we found out that you know, they're collecting all this data on us, you know, and there are huge computer systems collecting everything. Yeah. Yeah. 
then maybe that guy was just ahead of his time, man. So uh, I came up with the idea. I said, well, if there's such a computer that's surveilling us all the time, right? Right. And it's ingesting all of our data. Could we come up with some kind of statement that we could just make that would cause this computer to crash? Huh. Right? Yeah, like... um. What's it called? The um, there's like a name for that. Um, mm -hmm. I can't remember the technical term, but yeah, it's basically like an unsolvable question to get mm -hmm. yeah to basically throw off the computer. Well, uh, like a Escher riddle Bach, almost. Gödel Escherbach, he came up with the uh, record player that would um, that would destroy a record that would destroy the record player. We lose them. I don't hear you. I'm going to try refreshing the screen. Mic check one, two. Oh, sorry. I didn't realize I muted myself and I've been having just all kinds of problems. Oh, okay. I was talking for a second. <laughs> I'm not firing it on all cylinders. It's too early in the morning. Oh, man. Did you get your coffee yet? No. Oh, man. You want to Yeah, my break? caffeine and my nicotine is going to have to have to come in a minute. But, uh, no, I was, sorry, I was trying to find a, a clip. And then I muted myself because I had to cough and then I forgot to unmute myself. And then, like, this the video started playing in the background and it was just a disaster. <laughs> Well, if you want to take a break um, and uh, make a coffee, or we could wrap this up and I can let you go if you want. Uh, well, I still got, I still got like 15 minutes, so might as well just power through it instead of taking a break. All right, man. Well, I, uh, uh, yeah. So what were you, you said, uh, you said a, a, a record player that destroys itself. Is that kind of like a note that like a self-destructing note that like an intelligence agency would use back in the day? Yeah, James like Bond self-destructing note, exactly. But this would be a record that would create a, a resonance frequency that would destroy the record player. So it would be a, 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 a carefully constructed record that would create vibrations that would be targeted at destroying the record player when it's played on it. And what would be the practical application for this be just to like... Destroy somebody's record player idea. that you don't like? Well, it's a theoretical idea, but I was just saying, you know, if there's this surveillance system, could we cause it to crash by constructing a sentence that would get it to maybe destroy itself? Yeah, okay. Right? Like a counterintelligence move. Or like... I like, I like this, yeah. It's or just... Um, I guess a, you, if you could... Um, you could just like feed uh, the system a bunch of false information too. Mm -hmm. So like I, my cell phone's a prepaid phone. It's connected to accounts that don't have my real name overall. Mm -hmm. um, 
So if you got everybody to do stuff like that, then like it would, everybody would still be being tracked, but the data would be like meaningless because nobody's real names were attached to anything. Exactly. We could spoof the system or let's say, um, just a simple one. Like don't click on links. Like if you Google something, don't click on the results. Because that clicking on the results is feeding um, the AI. Or just like don't use Google. Or don't use Google. But let's just say you use Google, but you don't feed it the resulting click. You don't give it that satisfaction of knowing which one you chose because we are part of the system. Or what if you intentionally clicked one that you would never click normally? Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like a gorilla... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> guerrilla warfare against, yeah. the, against the AI oh man that's where where my thoughts are going at this point I like I like the I like the thought pro yeah there's got to be um there's got to be a good way to do that like on a mass so, scale so then I, I I tweeted some of these ideas and um, this girl from Albania a student, a computer science student, she said, um, you know, she said that... Welcome uh, to DraftKings! Oh my god, why the is this land. happening? I'm sorry. I'm having all kinds of issues. <laughs> but, uh, she was like, why, um, hold on, I'm kind of lost my train of thought here. Um, Albania girl said, uh, why... Yeah, but, but basically she said that she, uh, she thinks that we should have one system to rule everybody that people need to be um, controlled because they need to be educated and they need, uh, you know, we need a supreme leader, basically. Yeah, and, no, yeah. I, I've talked to people that are like totally in on globalism because they're like, oh, it'll cause world peace. It'll cause world peace. And, and I was thinking, and then I came up with this idea of the cyber communist, the uh, chairperson of the cyber communist party. I said, that will be the AI that will settle the score and bring, um, and finally uh, bring justice to all these people who are, you know, downtrodden. So... It's... So like a like a, a benevolent AI instead of a malevolent AI. Well, for the communists, they think it's going to be benevolent, right? Just like they thought it was a great idea, uh, you know. Until they once you get into the system, obviously, you know, you want out and you can't get out, right? But um, I mean, you know, Stalin and Mao and all these uh, horrible, uh, you know, North Korea, all these horrible, uh, you know, totalitarian systems. Um, result of it. But the people think it, it's what they want. Right? It's what they're, the selling point, the selling point of the meme of the communism is like, hey, you want justice, you're downtrodden, you are, you know, these guys are being mean to you, right? We're gonna get. We're gonna get them. Uh, we're gonna get back at them for you. You know, just sign up here, and I think 
that's kind of what's what's happening is that the AI, you know, we have these bubbles of we have these social justice warriors attacking people, this cancel culture. That's actually being fed by the AI. That's actually like the result of the AI. Like we wouldn't have this um, cancel culture if it wasn't for the machine learning systems that are basically, egg, um, you know, uh, pushing these people forward or, or supporting them in some way. So would you agree that there's probably no very, a very, very slim chance that any type of AI system with that level of power would ever turn out to be a good thing? Well, first of all, I don't think it's possible. Okay. I don't think it's possible uh, at this point to create something that's all powerful and standalone, but it would be something that's very powerful and controlled by controlled by people, which is what's happening now. I think that Twitter and Google and Facebook is the benevolent AI, right? That is implementing the biases of its owners, right? So, man, that's a, that's kind of depressing if Twitter and Facebook are the best we can do as far as machine learning. Well, it could get a little bit better than that, but the, the, the theory, the, the guy Vapnik, who actually worked for Facebook, he said all of this machine learning, it's just interpretation and illusion. And I said, wait a second, but the interpretation and illusion, that's exactly what you need for a political um, you know, influence. People don't right. care about the truth. They just want their illusions and their uh, bubbles. Right. So what happens next? Do the robots take over, but they're actually dumb robots? Well, they're they're going to be they're dumb robots, um, ruled by uh, by basically your you know the bad people. Let's say, I mean, I haven't worked out worked it all out um, how how much the machines are going to take over, but. Independent of that, I just want to say that there's a narrative in academia and there's a narrative in computer world of this singularity. They're like, oh, yes, we're going to have the singularity and it's going to take over and it's going to rule the world. And that Yeah, but none of them it. seem to really know what that means or come up with like an agreement about what exactly a singularity would look like. Yes. But what I'm saying is that that... that this idea is basically your cyber communist chairperson. It's your Mao. It's your dictator. That's what they want. It's a subconscious need for having this ruler who's going to finally give them justice. That's what I'm trying to, that, that's my insight into it. And it sounds a lot like the book of revelations. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, you have the, the mark, you know, on your right hand or forehead barcode yeah. type thing in the book. You can't buy or sell without it. The global yes. ID. Mm -hmm. that's from a book 2000 years ago, but then you have like the, the beast or whatever that like it's in everyone's hat home and everybody worships. It sounds like, like the AI hmm. global ruler. Yeah, you're right. I guess I have to revisit that. Uh, I haven't, um, but I have heard that before the mark of the beast. That's an interesting theory. 
it even if it's even if it's um like the the current um controllers got that idea from that that book the last book of the bible um i don't know it's just interesting how so much of that it seems to be manifesting but or maybe whoever wrote the book of revelation has just had a really comprehensive ancient understanding of where humanity always ends up uh going um like you yeah. know the tower of babel and you know pre-flood like noah's flood atlantis seemed to be getting too big for their bridges maybe like you know the global resets happening well, that's maybe it that happened before right exactly and, yeah and this is kind of where we tie in to um we haven't even brought it up but the fungus idea right the mycelial network is that what you call you guys called it yeah but basically the idea is is that the fungus is breeding us right to feed it and then yeah it's just going to terminate the the batch it's like okay this batch is done we're going to terminate it and yeah, I started getting kind of creeped out, like because I listened to that whole, however many hours it was, um, <laughs> early on, and I was started getting kind of freaked out when it was, when you guys were going into like, um, this idea that like, the ash, like the afterlife or the astral realm is also kind of controlled by the fungus and is just still part of like the uh, feeding process. I was like, oh god, yeah, <laughs> kind of creepy. But I, it is. It's totally creepy. I I I don't I don't know. It made like it, it made sense, but at the same time, I was like I couldn't bring myself to believe that that's how everything came into being. It's it's a it's a total conspiracy theory, um, that doesn't have to be true. It's just a theory that kind of matches some of the data points. Right. Right. And it, I mean, it does make sense since like all life basically wouldn't exist without the fungal network in soil and all that, but. And also fungus can survive in outer space. It right. So it's like an alien. It's been measured in. It's been measured, um, you know, in way upper atmosphere, like 50 miles and above it's it survives in space. I wouldn't be surprised if. Uh, you know, and they can travel. Um, but wouldn't wouldn't that make us part of wouldn't that make us an extension of the like an appendage of the fungus, fungus rather yeah. than like its food source well it grew us for proper uh, exploitation of the planet okay so let's say like kind of like we were talking about like, if humans created a robot that appeared to be sentient it mm -hmm. probably wouldn't be sentient so if like the like intelligent mushroom force created humans, then wouldn't why are we sentient? If all it needs us for is a food source. Well, I mean, that's that's a good question. Um, that's a very good question. Um, why are we sentient? It seems like there's something like. I, I uh, well, what created the fungus, right? You haven't asked yeah. that yet, right? And then who created 
what created whatever, whoever created the fungus and what created that. Mm-hmm. It's an endless uh, question. Uh, but, you know, sentience, uh, I don't preclude sentience. Sentience, I think it's possible, and you know, self-awareness, and also, they say our job is to become aware and to observe reality, to so God can see himself. Yes, that was one of the when Alex Jones was very drunk and very high, like three hours in or four hours into that latest Joe Rogan podcast, he's like. God knows everything except for where God came from. And it's kind of a profound statement because it's like, basically, he goes on to explain that like, like our job is like, our mission, like right now in this level of reality is to explore this and find the secrets of the universe and um, get the backstory of like how all this came to be or something. Yeah, I mean, I'm butchering it, but he was, I mean, he was just rambling, but it was great. Um, I, I think I might've found that, uh, clip. If this isn't it, I'm going to stop it, but this is the one that was like the five hour Joe Rogan, Alex Jones special. That was like a year or two ago. Well, this is a clip from a mouthy Buddha, um, video called Alex Jones and the shadow plan. And the video component is amazing because he's got all these like trippy visuals and like UFOs and interdimensional beings and just his Matthew Buddha's production on his videos is amazing, but this uh, this kind of ties closer into the Area 51 caller talking about interdimensional beings and kind of the fungi theory. Play the clip. The globalists don't believe in Satanism. They believe they're contacting interdimensional aliens <laughs> through the drug use. They're going to merge with the machines blast off into hyperdimensional space. And that's why they're so crazy. That's why they want to get rid of us. That's why they're smiling and giddy and acting so nuts. They believe they are in contact with these entities and are being directed by them. And the entities are telling them eternal life, total power, total control, everything you could ever want. Just kill everyone. Set up a world government. Build this design we're telling you. Build what we're telling you. Build this. Build this. Let us through. Build the Hadron Collider. Open the dimensions. Let us in. We're going to really help you. We're friendly little guys. <laughs> that's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's a, that's a fun rabbit trail to go down. Is like the stargates that the Aztecs and the, you know, Indians and people on every continent Africa would open. They all were into like sacrificing virgins and children and taking mm-hmm. hallucinogens like the Aztecs would see Quetzalcoatl, the giant sky serpent in the sky and open up a, a gate or whatever. And um, they always, in every culture, were building pyramids and sacrificing uh, mm-hmm. people on top of them. Um, so... Yeah, like this idea that that happened in every culture throughout all of history but isn't happening now is uh, kind of laughable, I think. Well, we we grill um, hamburgers. <laughs> isn't that a burnt offering? Um, yeah, but it's not a human life. child. No, it's not. But, I mean, it is. I mean, I see your point. I take your point. But the ancient tradition of grilling hamburgers is basically a holdover from Old Testament, like burnt offerings, I think. It's like, oh, it smells so good. The neighbors are 
neighbors have a burnt <laughs> offering, right? Uh, They're sacrificing to the gods this meat. I mean, maybe, yeah. Um, but the the outcome of those two things and the intention seems to be a little different. Like, you know, the not Hitler would have all these witches around with him and he would do like a, a cultic, like Aleister Crowley stuff. You can still get Crowley's notebook with Hitler's annotations and they were obsessed. Like they were building like blueprints and prototypes of flying saucers. Hitler was in the forties. Yes. And, I uh, I understand what you're saying. You're saying they're, uh, summoning satanic beings interdimensional or, or at least they think they are they think they are and this is getting back to the necromicon and all of that um you know but we can also uh tie that all into the fungus theory as well right um, terence mckenna uh, talked about that when you see uh when you take mushrooms as opposed to most other psychedelics he's like what you see in that realm is Unlike ayahuasca or DMT or anything else, he's like, in the mushroom world, you're seeing blueprints for weapons, alien hmm. spaceships, and all kinds of, like, oh, wow. uh, yeah. That's pretty crazy. So, uh, I just want to throw in one last thing. Um, in my recent uh, clips from this MIT professor who was in introducing his students into this machine learning, he said that they're gonna they're on a long march with friends to build the sentient being, and I think that again is the um, another key for the long march of the communists uh, to build their uh, their utopia, right? Build this, build this, build what we're telling you. And um, and then he <laughs> said that they think that humans were reduced to a population of a thousand. Oh yes, I've, I have heard ago. about this. Yeah. And only then, and this is, and they said, oh, and I'm going to take it from authority of Noam Chomsky, which really triggered me because Noam Chomsky is a genius, but he is a leftist, uh, you know, evil genius, right? He has some good ideas and some bad ideas. But he was going on about, uh, basically this idea of culling the i mean i think that it's a pat it's 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 code for what they want to do which is the culling of the population down to the elite right and resetting of the um the resetting you know if they said it happened fifty thousand years ago that we went through this great genetic um great leap forward um that could also just be a code for saying, well, we think it should happen again. Just by talking about it in the past could be a reference uh, to the future, right? Yeah. Just, just, just an idea. I want to. I know. I um, that goes right back to the um, Art Bell clip we were talking about. Yeah, uh, listen to that with the, uh, the Art Bell with the Area Fifty One. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll leave you with this when I gotta get ready for work. But this is yeah, we uh, we definitely have to do this again. I'd like to have a deeper dive into this. Yeah, absolutely, man. Come on, you're on the air. Hello, hello, Art. Yes. Hi. Um, I I I don't have a whole lot of uh, time. Um, 
Well, look, let's begin yeah. by finding out whether you're using this line properly or not. Area uh, 51. Yeah, um, that's right. Were you an employee or are you now? I, a former employee. Former um, employee. I, I, I was let go on a medical discharge about a week ago, and and <laughs> I, I've kind of been running a, across the country. Um, oh man, I don't know where to start. They're they're uh, they're, they're gonna um, they'll triangulate on this position really really soon. So um, you can't spend a lot of time on the phone. So give us something quick. Okay. Um. Um. Okay, what what we're thinking of as as aliens are they're uh, they're they're extra dimensional beings that an earlier precursor of the um, space program made contact with uh, they they are not what they claim to be uh, they have infiltrated a lot of. Uh, uh, a, a lot of aspects of, of, of the military establishment, particularly the Area 51. Uh, the, the disasters that are coming, they, the, the military, I'm sorry, the, the government knows about them. And there's a lot of safe areas in this world that they could begin moving the population to now are... But they're not doing, they're not doing anything. They are not. They want the major population centers wiped out so that the, the few that are left will be more easily controllable. Yeah. That shortly after that, the call gets cut off and then Art Bells comes back on and he's like, somehow, some way, for the first time in my broadcasting career, we were knocked off the air. Wow. <laughs> That that's great. That that's also good. Uh, a good radio show. Um, you know, you you never know. Uh, but that's that's actually a very uh, moving clip. Um, yeah, it could have all been fake, but the idea, that just the fact that that only happened when Art Bell was on one time, that like yeah. the the whole station blows it blows out. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's possible. Definitely possible. And you know. Um, and the we the beings, the interdimensional beings, demons or whatever, like the, they, there's a good chance they are part of the fungal network. If that's something that exists in, like a higher, lower dimension. Well, just think about that. You know, if if the fungus is resonating on a uh, intergalactic level, right, and uh, spreading out and then building up, it's like, oh, build this antenna. You know, we're coming, and uh, come on in, little green men. Yeah, and. Uh, my last uh, thought from I sent you that tweet, and then we'll, we'll shut this off. But um, you know, we haven't really talked about uh, the nature of consciousness, and I'm and I have a think I'm thinking, and I, I can't really put it into words just yet. But I have a, an intuition, a thought that that the consciousness is is through some kind of quantum entanglement, and that yeah, yeah, some kind of encryption um, is happening. And that we're dealing with possibilities and probabilities instead of actual, um, instead of actual actualities all the time. And that yeah, and it, I mean I think um, that would explain the collective subconscious. Like if um, in the yes. same way, like all the molecules in your body are alive, like the bacteria molecules and. Mm -hmm. 
everything like that make up your body you experience it as one thing even though there's a bunch of little pieces that make microscopic bits that make you up i feel like the human species is like one hive organism in a certain sense mm -hmm. and so awesome. quantum entanglement between our minds would be a method that that could possibly make sense like how you know like it's, you always hear stories about like um once something is discovered around the yes. world humans can uh all pick up on it quicker or even with yes. like uh or the same way birds like all change flight directions at the exact same millisecond like stuff yes. like that there there seems to be a quantum entanglement would be one way that you could explain the the seemingly um hive mind of a species on a global level so my dad said that um when people do the new york times crossword puzzle that over time it becomes easier right right yeah that makes sense okay like well, the more people that have done it yeah. so far like mm -hmm. uh that specific crossword the more the more people yes. that can uh do it easier later on yeah mm -hmm. it's very like um carl jung kind of idea yes about the nature of consciousness exactly and that's why i think well you did bring up a good point that that the consciousness could then occupy the machine in theory as well right and um you know we have to get into this whole idea of and I, i'm still working on it of the um you know the theory of memes the theory of genes and the theory of computer based um evolution and we haven't really covered any of that yet but um we'll have to save it for another episode yeah man we're gonna have to do this more often and uh soon if you want to come on uh abs in a six-pack we'll have a have a blast <laughs> have a little power okay, we can Thank do you. a deep dive on a certain topic i've been trying to do a blue beam episode I just haven't gotten around to it. So I wrote down Blue Beam, Mark of the Beast, uh, Brain Chips, Dilated Eyes, and then um, we talked about, well, Plan 9. Yeah, I'm going to have to rewatch Plan 9. I have to, uh, and there, there's something about it. Um, we will, uh, we're, gonna, we're going to uh, talk about that some more. Sweet. Yeah. Um, here in a week or two, if you want to do it again, I'm more than happy to. All right. Well, I do my, um, I got my studio now set up, um, here. I hope the audio quality was good. Uh, yeah, it sounds great. Sorry about, um, my, <laughs> <laughs> I had, I had issues on my end, but we never had good, good sound quality on this show like ever. And I'm really excited about this clean feed. And, um, I hope we can create an open source version of this actually. Yeah, and the free version of CleanFeed, uh, as far as I know, you can get as many people in there as you want. Uh, mm -hmm. So, okay. The only, yeah, the only thing is uh, the pro version lets you record multi-track, which is handy, mm -hmm. and it makes it easier to play clips and stuff. But there's workarounds. Well, I want to have a self-hosted, open-source version of this, where we can just spin up our own. Uh, AWS instance, it won't cost you more than a couple of cents per hour. You were using Discord before, right? No, we were using um, Jitsi. And, oh, okay. Uh, 
but it's the 8x8, which is the commercial version of Jitsi. Uh, they just got bought out, and then they offered a free recording service, and then they terminated it. Wait, Jitsi's done? Well, they terminate no, 8x8 terminated the free recording service. Oh, I see what you're saying. So Jitsi is still available, but you can't record. Um, and uh, gotcha. I've been yeah, well, uh, yeah, no, a, a version of clean feed where you can just pop people in and out would be pretty cool. So I have a whole episode on it. I want to, um, I want to, uh, basically the idea is you would call a number and it would start your server and then it would record the uh, podcast and then it would hang up. Um, and then it would shut the server down and send you the recording, basically. Like you'd only pay for the time that you actually uh, used. Okay, cool. But uh, that's just my dream. I got a lot of dreams. I'm a dreamer. Hey, that's how that's how big things happen. All right, man. Well, it's been great talking to you, and uh, thanks a lot. Yeah, let's do it again soon, man. I got to get ready All for right. work, but take it okay. easy. Take it easy, man. See ya. <laughs> Peace.